Hey everyone, and welcome back to the final episode of this year's Summer Rewind playlist. Today we're rewinding way back to a really wonderful conversation I had with my homesteading friend, Valentina Berlingeri. What means so much to me about this conversation is how attainable Valentina makes self-sufficient and community-sufficient living feel. Since her conversation in 2019, she has since expanded her gardens and is thriving on their small property. One of her secrets is getting rid of multitasking and focusing her attention on one task at a time. Also, at the time of recording this, it was a very wintry beautiful day, so hopefully that gives us a breath of cool air in this summer heat and a bit of inspiration as we head into another season of rest. Let's go. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. Today I chatted with my friend Valentina about self-sufficiency and her family's lovely little home. With their synthesis of beautiful vegetable gardens, woodland, and livestock, they produce nutritious food for their family while closing the loop within their ecosystem. Ready to learn more? Let's go. So you live on a pretty epic little hobby farm here. Would you call it a hobby farm? I don't know. We don't have a ton of animals over the winter. The foundation of what we have, I would say, is a garden and chickens. Those we always have. Yeah. And I don't know if a garden and chickens are enough for me. Okay. But if we have some grazing animals, or when we have the pigs, or uh, if we get bees. You only have pigs in the summer? Spring to fall. Spring to fall, yeah. And if you had bees, is mm-hmm. that that's just a spring to fall thing too. So we're sitting in the living room, mm-hmm. and if you look at my front windows, that's where our garden is, and it's a mix of... And it's massive, and it's amazing. <laughs> it's... A, Expanded a little bit every year. Yeah. So we started with the original garden was 25 feet by 35 feet. Wow. And then, The original garden. So yeah. have you ever had gardens before? I had in town. And it is so hard to grow things well in town compared to it's like we don't have the squirrels like in town battling oh the squirrels. Oh my gosh, yes. And the soil is just so much better. Okay, well, that's a nice consolation yeah. for me because I've never done well in town with gardens. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so original garden was 25 by 30. Yeah, and then we've probably, the next year, doubled that by adding two rows of raspberry canes and then a row of asparagus. I ordered them so they okay. can bear root okay. like in a bag uh, on a refrigerated truck from... <laughs> A nursery in, I think, New Brunswick. Wow. Yeah, so they just came in the mail. Amazing. Yeah, that's pretty fun. <laughs> uh, it was a very inexpensive way to start. So they're, they're bare root plants and need a little bit more care, but... Yeah, focused um, attention. Yeah, it was an easy way for us to get... I forget now if we have 50? Wow. Maybe? Yeah. That's enough. That's yeah. that's that's a good haul of, <laughs> it is. of berries. So how long do those take to actually get settled and start producing fruit? They produced fruit the first year. Oh, which was great. But that's we nice. gave them lots of attention, and yeah. it's not a lot. It was enough that you could go out and just snack. The kids loved it. Last year, because we have tons of wild raspberries here. Oh, we have. Uh, we got a beetle that's called the. Raspberry cane borer. <laughs> Great. So it lays its eggs by no. cutting into the stem of the raspberry cane, like in a complete circle. So it kills everything above. Oh my god! And then if you leave it, then when they hatch, the larvae like crawl down the stem and overwinter in the roots. So last year I had to cut a lot. Like I would go out every day and look for. You could tell because the top of the like nice green growth would just be completely wilted oh, and then cut off those bits and burn them <laughs> oh my gosh so last year we got a couple of raspberries but yeah. it wasn't as much as i would have liked yeah hopefully this year will be better yeah hopefully they're not hanging out there down in the snow yeah yeah um and then this year will be the first year we can harvest our asparagus okay yeah because that takes a little mm-hmm. while to yeah i can settle three years so this year we'll maybe harvest like one cutting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things that I've always wanted to plant, but I'm planting in pots in the city and I'm not going to wait <laughs> three years or like keep something alive for three yeah. years. I struggle with house plants. The nah. first year we moved out here, first and the second year, we invested in a lot of long-term things. That's nice. So we bought 
Because you know you're here for the long haul. Yeah. Six apple trees, I think, in two pairs. Oh, I like that. And we had all but two die. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we had a drought, and our well ran dry, and oh. I couldn't water stuff. And then we were able to save m- most of them. And then we had deer come and eat them. Like oh, just the eat. jerks. <laughs> and then we put, like, uh, fencing around so yeah. the deer couldn't get at them. And then we had rabbits come and eat the bark <laughs> all around the bottom. So we had two that survived. They are aggressive. <laughs> but we have lots of mature apple trees that have okay apples. Yeah. I think they were maybe just... Um, Wild. Yeah, grew from seed. They're yeah. not like a excellent variety, but they were great for making cider or feeding to the pigs. So ideally out front in that area where we have our big garden and I have a section that's flower beds and we have our mature apple trees yeah. and we'd like to have a, an orchard of nice eating apples yeah. that Someday. we could have the bees out there. Okay. And that so would be would a lovely help. spot for them. Yeah. They would have lots of flowers available throughout the season and then um, they would also be good for our plants. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And what kind of flowers do you normally do? Are they ones that are bee friendly or for fun stuff or just pretty flowers? I don't know. What do you Yeah. Think? A little of everything. <laughs> we had, I've learned so much since we moved here. We started with the front just being field and I thought it was beautiful. We That's let it grow nice. and there was a meadow. And Instead then, of having cut lawn is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I mowed like a path through it so you could walk Aww. through with the kids and it would be, you know, yeah, like, it's lovely. like a jungle <laughs> to them. It was incredible. And then um, we had ticks show up in our area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so because uh, we do still have lots of area that are field, but because yeah. it's right outside our house yeah. and the kids play there, yeah. we started mowing it. Yeah. That's safe. Yeah. Wise. So we do, like, we know there are ticks and... We're checking and conscious of that, but there's a difference between when we're just around the house and then if we went out into the bush or yes. in the fields. Yeah. So then because we started mowing it, then we started increasing the garden. Yeah. Why not have yeah. more garden instead of just grass? To cut. Because yeah. who wants to cut grass when you could? Forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the flowers were a recent addition. We worked on the vegetables first. Yeah. And then once that was established, we put in lots of flowers. So we used to have like a wildflower kind of meadow. Like That's tons lovely. of black-eyed Susans and mm-hmm. um, Queen Anne's lace, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and then we planted a bunch of perennials last year that we split a whole variety. And then I'm starting lots of annuals in the seed trays. So this year I'd like to have a cut flower garden. Oh, that's doing snapdragons and zinnias. We always have canna lilies. Like you can... Oh, yeah. Bulb. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Or a tuber, I guess. Um, A big root thing. So we've grown (laughs) those and we have lots of spring bulbs too. Yeah. That's so lovely. So when... What is your favorite season to walk outside of your home? I really love summer, but I think spring is just so exciting. Yeah. Like when you're done with winter... Yes. yes. And you, you know it's changing. You know it's getting warmer. Yeah. I mean, it's so anywhere exciting. in the world, I'm sure the end of winter, anywhere in the Northern Hemisphere, I'm sure the end of winter is exciting, but yeah. especially in Canada. <laughs> Let's just say, yeah. even though we're only in Southern Ontario, I would say that it's, it's yeah. especially exciting. <laughs> As it's March 2nd mm. and we're sitting here watching it snow. It's a beautiful <laughs> snowfall, but it's it's not exactly... doesn't feel like March. <laughs> I don't want it forever. <laughs> yeah. So I love, uh, like, I would say when May rolls around, yeah. we start spending most of the day every day outside. Yes. Oh my gosh, that sounds lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I, especially in a place like this. Like, I'm going to be outside every day, hopefully, because I... Um, shriveling up inside, um, <laughs> or like gaining weight. I don't know which one it is. Something, <laughs> something to do with never leaving the house and just having a newborn and being very cooped up. Uh, I'm very excited for springtime. Yes. So yeah. it's going to be wonderful. You know, it is. And I like, like, it's a lot of work. Yeah. I couldn't tell you how many yards of soil I've shoveled. 
or right. moved or, you know, yeah. um, we've dug so many, that, that first garden we dug, that was 25 feet by 35 feet. <laughs> we dug by hand oh my gosh. and we fenced it in because of the deer and every fence hole we dug like just with a shovel. Wow. Sorry. Was that before or after kids? It was after kids. So it, I'm trying to think that was the first year we moved. So they would have been um, one and three. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. That's not not an age where they can help. But <laughs> no. <laughs> not yet. I wasn't sure if they were involved in that. That's okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it seems like a lot of work on one hand. But on the other hand, I don't go to a gym. So. There you go. You <laughs> it can... keeps you in shape. Yeah. And it yeah. just, it connects you with your food and connects you with everything that you're doing out there. Like if you're putting in the physical work, you're not detached from it. You're not just going to the grocery store and, and buying your food, your, your food. Yeah. <laughs> you're just going to the grocery store and buying your food. There's a connection there. And that's something that's, I don't know, adds a lot of value. So we knew each other when we were both younger. You and I. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then I didn't see you for a while mm-hmm. and then you moved back and now we both are married and have kids. Yeah, and um, I was kind of surprised to discover we have so many overlapping interests. Yeah, because I don't. I had never really thought or encountered like zero waste oh, as yeah. a philosophy. Yeah, exactly, but you were already kind of doing it. Like you have that. Yeah, we moved here, and our concern was more about healthy food, hmm. like having access to like truly organic, not like mega corporation organic yeah real yeah good food that's full of nutrients that feeds your soul to grow it and your body to eat it yeah and the solution to that (laughs) seems to also be the solution to yeah the reducing your packaging yeah yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because, okay, so let's move on from the garden. You're not just doing your own fruits and vegetables here um, and eating seasonally. You're also, you have animals mm-hmm. throughout parts of the year or sometimes all throughout the year. Yeah. Tell I, me about your animals. I think that's part of it. So we have, we get meat birds in the springtime. So we've done, sometimes we do 25. One year, I think we ordered 90. <laughs> I don't know why. We didn't eat 90 chickens in a year. Uh, um, so we, that's a lot of chickens. That's, I know. That's more uh, than one chicken a week. We, um, well, our idea was if, if we could do chickens. That was sort of the easiest starting point. Because totally. if you get a white Cow. rock, which is like a Cornish cross, they can be 10 weeks from when they're hatched to when you bring them to the butcher. Okay. So for having grown up in town, yeah, not knowing anything about farming, either Jonathan or myself, we thought chickens was the easiest yeah. in. Because yeah. if it's only 10 weeks, we could do it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we followed Joel Saladin method. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've only heard Brendan talk about it, but another person on uh, who's been on the podcast, Zero Waste Chef, um, Anne-Marie Bono, she also loves Joel Salton and yeah, talked a lot about him too. So um, we do buy feed, but we have them in these movable pens. He calls them chicken tractors, <laughs> but it's like an eight by eight um, little fenced in thing with a lid because we have lots of predators and they just get moved. We do twice a day. So they're always on fresh grass. Okay. So grass, like what do chickens eat? I don't know. <laughs> So it's if you buy feed from the store, it's grain, but they can eat when you're moving them um, grass or if there are seeds from whatever native plants or bugs. Oh, they like bugs. I didn't know chickens were protein. Yeah, that's cool. So I think it's about you can replace 20% of the feed cost by moving them on pasture. And they're also moving around and being active birds. Right. They're not sitting in a cage just eating. Right. So that's just for their quality of life. That's what that's yeah. for. Like, it also makes a difference. Okay, I does really it make a taste difference? Yeah. Okay. It does. I wasn't sure about that. Uh, grocery store chicken, it does not taste like the same thing. Like it, um, there's like a spongy kind of a texture and not as much flavor as real chicken. 
Wow. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that there was, like, <laughs> I I was like, oh, the animals, yes. And, yeah. I, sh- and I should care more than I do uh, about the animals, but I also didn't realize yeah. that there was a, a taste yeah. flavor difference. No, totally. Cool. And I do, like, when you see them and you're taking care of them. Which I will today. We're going to go yeah. on a little walk yeah. around. Yeah. You want them to live in nice conditions. You know, you can't. Yeah. I would want them to be as happy as you can, which may sound silly if you're just going to eat them, but... Well, it kind of alleviates some of the guilt. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like if you you commit to having that animal, then I should do what I can to make their life, their quality of life, the best that I can. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I like that. And because you talked about how gardening feeds you as well as feeds your soul, Mm -hmm. like... It's all part of it. You want to have, you want your animals to have a good quality of life. And you mm-hmm. want them them to taste as good as possible. Yeah. And so all of these things flow together. And so also having animals, it works as part of the garden. It's one system. Let's say we have produce. If something goes bad or whatever, we can feed it to the chickens. We feed our compost to the chickens. They in turn are producing manure that we compost. And then that is going back on the garden. When we first put in the garden, we did get a load of compost yeah. to, to enrich the it. soil for the beginning. But now we can just rely on what the animals are producing to put back into the soil. Oh, and I just love that so much. <laughs> and it's so like convenient. In yeah. the spring, let's say I wasn't planning on doing it, going out one day, but I go to prepare a bed. I know I can just walk out back to the compost yeah. and like shovel it in my wheel, wheelbarrow. I don't have to drive into town yeah. and buy something or plan ahead to make sure I have it or, or buy something. There. So like in a plastic bag, because for your small scale gardens in the city, where do people buy um, their soil? Right. And isn't it weird to buy soil in a plastic bag, you know, to be able to go to your backyard or find a place that sells it loose, like a city compost site or something like that? So again, I was not ever yeah, thinking about sweet. zero waste, but I am also very frugal. So I would not buy soil in a bag. We would drive, we have a little trailer, and we would drive to a landscape supply place and get them to just dump it in our trailer. Yeah. And same with mulch, because it's so much cheaper, and then you also have a trailer load of it. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Because you're just like, well, I'm I'm not thinking about it, I'm not going to pay for that. (laughs) Look at the plus side. I also see the packaging. Yeah. I think, too, that it feels like how could it possibly be wrong when... The solution to my problem about food quality and trying to live frugally is also the solution to your concern about the environment. Because sometimes you try and solve a problem and actually it's worse in, you know, some other way that you didn't intend. Yeah. But when it's better across the board. Yeah. How could you say no to that? It's too good. I like that a lot. (laughs) I think that's such a good philosophy for life. That's so good. Yeah, so I love gardening. And we have animals too, and they're nice, but I love gardening. We also do pigs in the summer, and they're the same. Like any extra food, they will eat all produce that you could come up with. And we also have some oaks, so when the acorns drop, the kids and I will go out for like half an hour every day and pick up all the acorns and throw them in. Or the apple trees. That's Um, great. We had, we threw down a tarp one year and Jonathan got up there and like shook the tree. I've always <laughs> wondered how to get a lot of apples down quickly. That's not how you do it if you want to store them. <laughs> no, because they'll all be bruised. But yeah. you just need to feed the pigs. Exactly. It works really well. How much of, how much food can you give them that you didn't have to buy sort of thing? That's a weird mm-hmm. way of asking that. Yeah. How can I ask that differently? Um, so <laughs> the first time we did pigs and we had never done it before we mostly just bought feed yeah and like our bin of compost but for we had three pigs that were maybe 300 pounds each a little bin of compost is really nothing (laughs) right um but then the last time I would say we had ha- reduced that to half their food coming from free sources, either stuff we had grown 
and like the zucchinis that are too big to eat. Yeah. Or uh, apples or acorns or um, waste produce that we got from a grocery store. It was half of their feed. That's amazing. That. I am sure, maybe it's just psychological, <laughs> that the meat tasted better. Because they're not just eating, what were they yeah. eating, like grain as well? or Yeah, so the, like the feed is mostly grain. Yeah. 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 Well, they would taste better because they're eating like a variety of things. Yeah. I'm sure that if I only ate peanut butter, then I wouldn't taste very good to the bear that's going to eat me in the woods or something. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible example, but <laughs> if yeah. I ate a variety of things, that bear's yeah. going to think I'm a lot more tasty. And so. I think it's, I, I have heard that, a thing with pigs that you would finish them on, whatever, finish them on apples or finish them on acorns, huh. but that gives them a nice, the meat a nice flavor. Interesting. You're helping finish up another problem too with your pigs by gathering waste produce from grocery stores. Do grocery stores just put that out? Or how yeah. do you get that? So we found out about it because we had a, a friend who also had pigs that said, this grocery store, they just have extra and they'll leave it out back in cardboard boxes. And sometimes, you know, it's like all the husks from the corn when corn's in season. And and they husk it so that yeah. it looks pretty in the store. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Or it's like the outside leaves from romaine hearts or something like okay. that. And sometimes it's watermelons that are a little bit past their prime or... Something like that that the pigs really love. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was friends of ours who had told us about that, which was That's great. great. Yeah. yeah, because it's a free source for you. Like, grocery stores are a problem all on their own uh, because, you know, there's so much waste created in the grocery store. There's waste before they even the food even gets to the grocery store because, you know, farmers can't give all of their produce. All the ugly stuff has to stay or be thrown out or whatever they do with it, mm -hmm. um, feed it to their own pigs. Uh, and so your every farmer should just have pigs. Honestly, <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I, I think it's great to be able to have them process it because if I just let all of my compost sit in my composter and mm -hmm. I'm not turning it regularly and I'm not doing all of the important things for compost, it's going to take forever. But if yeah. I feed it to a pig, he's going to process it <laughs> in a couple of you know weeks. I'm going to have all this manure. It's very efficient. There. It's so efficient, and it gets through like. He's going to chew yeah. through all of those complicated things like a watermelon rind that yeah. wouldn't decompose that quickly. Mm -hmm. like, anyway, if I ever don't live in the city, let me get at those pigs. Also, I... <laughs> so our compost is not near our garden, but it's beside the chicken coop because I also don't turn my compost. Yes, exactly. But the chickens will go in and they love scratching through and they'll like if you throw the fresh stuff in there, they'll eat that but looking for bugs or whatever, so yeah. the chickens turn it for you. <laughs> I just love how yeah. cooperative and helpful everyone is. This is yeah. great. <laughs> we haven't even touched this list of questions yet. Don't. <laughs> I don't care. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if, if you're going to do something, it should solve multiple problems. I like like that. we have the chickens because they give us eggs. Or when we get meat birds, they're giving us meat, but they're also giving us fertilizer for the garden. They're turning, turning my compost for you. Yeah. They're fun to run around after. <laughs> That's, yep. Our kids love that. No, it solves multiple problems for us. That's wonderful. How long have you had those particular chickens? Like, what age so did they mix. stop? Half of them are like a heritage breed that we got. I think three years ago. So they are about, like, they're still laying, but they stop soon. Oh, okay. Or, like, not, they wouldn't just stop, but they won't be laying as frequently. Okay, and it's every day. Maybe not every day. should ask Jonathan. So we have ten layers, I think. We get six eggs a day. Okay. Yeah. And then half are the ones that our neighbor gave us. Oh, half of the chickens that your neighbor mm -hmm. gave you. Which, yeah, are, just are the, doing quite well now. Yeah, they're just brown... <laughs> Like, uh, if you go to the co-op, you can order ready-to-lay birds, so they're already maybe, like, eight months old. So okay. you can buy them, and they'll, they're already old enough to start laying eggs. All right. And, um, and they're beautiful eggs. White. You gave us two dozen, and mm -hmm. they're beautiful. Like, why why are there some that are, like, light blue and kind of green? Those and are the special 
special chickens. Yeah, uh, about three years ago, got some special varieties specifically for egg color. That's cool. So we have Americanas that lay blue eggs, bluey green, and well summers that have a brown egg that's speckled. Yeah. And um, we have wine dots, and they just lay a um, like a light colored egg, but yeah. they're very pretty birds. They, and they're pretty eggs. Yeah. yeah. So we're ordering more this year um, because it, it might be like eight months. You get them these chickens as day olds, and it might be eight months before they're ready to lay that they'll we'll have the next generation ready to go. Yeah. And these ones slow down. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. I. I think that it's nice, too, that the eggs and the birds are also beautiful that adds to your interest in them. If that's a, allowed to say, like, your garden is beautiful yeah. and you and you put effort into your property, into everything, just to, like, keep motivating it, right? Like, when, when everything looks like garbage, you're not as interested in, in maintaining something. But if everything mm-hmm. is beautiful and you're putting effort into it, then, you know, it's even if it's a farm, like... Farms are allowed to be beautiful. Yeah. I had, like, ideally, I had always thought before I moved out in the country that we would have free-range chickens. Um, but you cannot... Which is a great idea because... Yeah. <laughs> you cannot have nice gardens if you have free-range chickens. Oh, okay. I thought it was because They'll go and scratch everything kill everything. That's but... on the list. I'm getting... <laughs> oh, okay. Item number one. Number one. You don't have nice gardens. Item number two... You uh, can't have a dog that's interested in chickens that oh. will harass the chickens. Okay. Maybe um, that's what was happening at your neighbor's house right there. That's, uh, <laughs> and then the third thing is we have, because we're in the trees, we have a lot of predators. And um, I would say most frequently we have foxes. Well and there's lots of, like, the dogs are really good at keeping the foxes away. And they could be out all day. And this happened once. We came inside and it was in less than a minute after we had been outside all day and the chickens were out and whatever. It was less than a minute that we were inside before I heard the chickens squawking that the fox had come back. It had, had just been, been just waiting the whole day. Waiting for the dogs to go inside <laughs> so it could snag a chicken. Um, little punk. Yeah. So now our chickens are no longer free <laughs> So they're just in a fenced-in area back there, or what? So in the winter, we have uh, we have two coops. We have okay. a winter coop and a summer coop. Okay. <laughs> the winter coop is larger, yeah. so they have much more indoor space. And then there's a smaller, very secure run that is wrapped in plastic, so it's mm-hmm. like a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to run electricity to the coop. That's Smart. enough to keep them warm. And then also, because it's warm in there, they'll actually go outside. Right, um, instead of just because we tried up that, all winter. yeah, Sorry. <laughs> we tried without, and they would just not go out. Yeah, especially if the snow is deep. Yeah, um, that's fair. Tiny little chicken legs. Yeah, and then this year, you can see at the back window we have a smaller coop over there. Yep. And so we're going to fence in this little area of bush behind our house. So we have our backyard fenced in. Yeah, and then along the back fence. There's a little section, like a strip of bush. So we're going to run a fence that just encompasses that and yeah. comes to the back of our backyard fence. Yeah. And so they'll have the run of that in the summer. That's great. And then also be near the dogs, hopefully. It'll be enough of a deterrent to yeah to keep predators back, yeah. dogs out of the way, but also still protecting. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to think about. We've had raccoons, foxes. We saw a weasel, but it didn't get into the coop. Hawk? Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> everybody so loves the chicken. Down. Yeah. <laughs> what about your pigs? Where do they so if you wander? Look way in the back field, we have a section of forest. Yeah. That we fenced in. Yeah. And that's where the pigs are. So they're in the woods. Are there oak trees there, or do you toss? They're the... adjacent. Yeah. Okay. So some fall in, but we mostly have to walk around and collect them. That's fun. Yeah. That's kind of a fun activity. <laughs> we thought about switching to electric fence, so we debated. Yeah. Electric fence or regular fence. And lots of people say, with pigs, you have to do electric fence. We have not had any problems with the pigs escaping with okay. regular fence. Yeah. The advantage of an electric fence would be we could move them around. So when the apples are in season, we could just 
Oh, move them under the apple trees true. or move them huh. under the oaks. Eh, or if I want to clear thing. a garden, yeah. right? Oh. Make a pen in an area that they can dig it up and then move them to the next section. Oh, I didn't think of so. that. So are you going to let them have the run of your fenced-in garden area just to turn that up in the springtime? Well, we were debating this year we want to clear a couple extra plots. Unfortunately, in my fenced-in garden... <laughs> I planted perennials <laughs> oh. in one part. Oh, so, okay. um, so you can't just turn it all up. No. Darn. We have strawberries and uh, rhubarb and mint and thyme. Yeah. Oh, but... What a magical place this is. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been at this farm or uh, property? Estate. <laughs> five years? Five. No, four. Four years? Four and a half, maybe. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We <laughs> Every year we built a fence. <laughs> <laughs> and the fences have gotten better in quality. Nice. <laughs> we've got along. That's good. Yeah. We've also gotten more tools. So. I feel like you're probably just learning as you go, right? <laughs> the first year, we didn't have a chainsaw. So the fence we put around the garden were just dead cedars that we could, like, push over and drag out of the bush. <laughs> <laughs> they still look like little trees. They don't. I can see them from here. <laughs> actually very nice and tidy for not having your own chainsaw oh thanks yeah i think by the end we got a saw like to clean up the top and the bottom and whatever but really we just walk through the bush and you know like in every clump there's maybe some that are dead and that's what we took (laughs) that's fun yeah what's it like having kids grow up with with pigs and chickens and gardens and the task of gathering acorns and so I also homeschool so there are so many things that they can just do that they don't have to learn about yeah like um they have each for a couple years now had a section of the garden that is their garden yeah and they're now five and seven so they don't reliably weed or water and I do those things but they plant it and then they harvest it yeah so, like, my son used to hate potatoes, and then I had him grow potatoes, <laughs> and then he loved them. Yeah. Because they were his, and he dug them out of the soil. Yeah. And I, I think that's worked for so many things. Like, they just eat kale. Because <laughs> they that nuts? Yeah. Yeah. That is weird. Kale They'll is just, weird. like, walk out to the garden and, oh my gosh. like, <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to go get a snack. They have kale, of all things. Like, I understand <laughs> when we grow peas. Like, if oh, you don't yeah. have fresh peas. Absolutely. Yeah. Or uh, yeah, carrots. Like my parents had cucumbers, so I'd go yeah. out to the cucumber, like the salt shaker in the cucumber yeah. garden and just chomp away. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But kale. I know. <laughs> so, I think they eat more vegetables, and they appreciate the food because they've had the experience of growing it. Yeah. And they know, yeah. they know what it takes. They don't need to learn that in science class how to grow something they yeah. know you know all those steps and what's required um i love that That's and then fun. uh we have lots of flexibility to that we can in those warmer months spend lots of time outside yes oh my which is gosh beautiful. the best classroom ever yeah. but i do uh. sometimes <laughs> worry that i wonder if they know because it's still magical for me to be able to, like, go outside and just be in the forest. Yeah. I hope they'll appreciate it. But if they don't know what the difference a is. A difference. Yeah. yeah. If that's all they've ever known. I grew up in the country and, uh-huh. like, had only ever lived in the country and then went to school in Montreal. And that was my first, like, really big city living experience. And, yeah, I think that I longed for the country again like, yeah. as soon as I was there. And so I think that... I think that there's a lot of value to this kind of lifestyle, Mm -hmm. sometimes being the only thing that you know for a long time, because eventually they will probably experience, yeah, live somewhere else, even if it's in a small town, like it doesn't have to be Toronto or or whatever, big city, Mm -hmm. Uh, they will probably experience something else someday, and then they're going to remember the good old days of, yeah, I used to live... Yeah, because like both Will and I grew up in the country, have lived in big cities, lived in Brampton, may I just say that with as much disgust as possible, <laughs> sorry, uh, and have wanted to be in the country ever since 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that, wow, it's just such a beautiful thing. I appreciate it. Yeah. I hope so. And I love that they're appreciating food in a different way too, because I Mm -hmm. think that when getting food is just a monetary transaction and you didn't have to try, and in Mm -hmm. some cases you don't even have to cook it or put effort into cooking it if you just have to pop it in the microwave and peel off the top then like is it yeah are you going to value it are you going to finish that meal and not throw half of it away because you know you didn't grow that potato you didn't dig that out of the ground so it's true I think since we've moved out here live very seasonally like we no longer eat based on when I'm thinking of a menu what do I want to eat I think about what do I have available? Okay. So how much of your food do you preserve? Any of it? Yeah, some. Really, in the summer, we eat out of the garden. And there are some meals, like when tomatoes are first ripe. And it's been <gasps> a year since you've oh. had a garden tomato because they do not taste like the same thing as a grocery store no. tomato. No, because when anything's grown out of season, it can be done, but it's not as good. Yeah. And there's a difference, too, between... I think taste is tied to nutrition. When it tastes better, it's more nutritious. And that's when you wait until it's That's with vegetables. I mean, like, if it's it's dessert and it tastes better. Yeah, talking about plants. Talking about plants, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And possibly meat, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Go on. (laughs) Um, But they're, like, I would not buy tomatoes at the grocery store because they taste awful when you buy winter tomatoes. Yeah, they're just plain. They're kind of Like, once in a while, you'll be surprised. I don't know if they're somewhere, maybe where it's in season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But when tomatoes are first ripe in the garden, we often will just have, like, sliced tomatoes for lunch. Sliced tomatoes and maybe, like, mozzarella and, like, some salt and pepper. That's delightful. And then that's like, it's in season and you're excited about it and it's so good. So we eat a lot from the garden in summer and we save mostly root vegetables. Like we'll have carrots, beets, potatoes, onions, onions and garlic as well. Yeah. Um, But not enough to last through the winter. Yeah. So maybe we made it to November. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask like what... What quantity of food do you have to actually grow to last for a family of four all year round? Like, what were pioneers doing? Oh, my gosh. I know. I feel like it's a, it's a lot. Like a full farm to feed yeah. one family. I've tried to start looking into easier, easy ways to preserve food because we don't have good cold storage in this house. I was going to ask if you had some sort yeah. of cold cellar. Yeah. So... Our house was built in, like, 1973. Okay. It's a split level, and there isn't just a cold room. Yeah. So we have uh, a storage room off our mudroom that's okay. Yeah. So it will last some of the time. The garage is pretty cold, but it's possible to be below zero in the garage. Right. So um, a cold cellar is something that you want to be. Like a Two fridge. to five degrees or something like that, or how cold? Uh, I don't know by temperature, but cold, but not, um, below freezing, not below freezing. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. garlic's good and onions are good. So I harvested them and braid them and yeah. hang them up. And did you teach me how to plant garlic? <laughs> I know it's a fall thing, but I want to plant it now. <laughs> and carrots. So I was reading about a method. So carrots apparently are more sweet after they've been left in the ground and you've had some cold weather so you can leave them in the ground into winter and then if you have a way to thaw out that portion dig them up so I could plant uh like a whole bed of carrots and just pull them out as I need them yeah so one of my spring projects is to build a movable mini greenhouse okay so it could be set on top of that area theoretically if it's not too cold yeah and then thaw just that section enough to dig out those carrots and then it doesn't need storage space. I like that. In the house. You'd have to like go out in the snow and dig yeah. in there. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> hey kids, wanna go get some carrots for supper? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So, and canning and preserving and stuff, do you do anything like that? I do. I mean, not down. to like overwhelm you, but you're just one person. Yeah. But. No, I've, I've made jams and then canned like peaches and pears and done pickles. Because while you don't necessarily grow all the things, mm-hmm. when things are in season in the summertime, it's easy to buy them in bulk and can them and have them. Yeah. So the downside to canning like any fruit, it's mostly sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> so the, you're preserving it. it. But it's yeah. mostly sugar. So I guess with a pressure canner, it's you, you still need you still need a lot of sugar and or something acidic to. Um, yeah, we've done tomato sauce or salsa or something like that. Right, so that's less sugar but more acidic. The tomatoes yeah. are acidic and there's vinegar in it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. There isn't much of a way. It's like salt, vinegar, or sugar in order to preserve mm-hmm. things and have we it not have, spoil. So, so like, the, we have lots of freezer space. Right, so okay. it's taking electricity, but we can just freeze stuff. And That's like true. Vegetables yeah. too, like there's always a time when there are so many beans. Yeah, you can just harvest them and blanch them, them and freeze them. Yeah, I think if you're harvesting it when they're whatever it is is ripe and you're freezing it, you're preserving the nutrients. Yeah, and then you don't have to add anything. This is lovely. <laughs> there's just so many things that I'd like to try dried beans. So I've never done that before. I was wondering, okay, so which, can you buy pinto beans or kidney beans or something, grow them on the vine, and then dry them, you dry them in the, the mm-hmm. husk or shell, yeah. whatever it's called, and then and then just break them out, and you can store dried beans and yeah. cook them whenever? Yeah. Is that, have I just summarized how to do That's it? Like, is that, yeah. Okay. Good <laughs> job. <laughs> can you grow kidney and pinto and, uh, like, white beans in... Canada, because so, string beans do not taste the same when they are mm-hmm. when the inside is dried out and you cook that. I'm trying to think what variety I ordered. So I get seed catalogs. Can I look at I yours like, afterwards? Yeah, can yeah, I go can get it? Yeah, of course, please. And then I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> so there are lots of great companies selling seeds and local places selling seeds like you can go to cd sunday in peterborough i'm going to that okay perfect when is that march 10th yes yeah yeah i want to go together <laughs> so i've ordered from a number of companies but this year i ordered from uh william dan seeds and they're canadian but they have so many varieties like the selection is incredible wow um and it's great like if you know you want to grow a dry bean Right, you can go to that section, look through their catalog, and see what they have. And they wow. have heritage varieties, yeah. or they have hybrids. If yeah. you think, okay, this is a tricky thing to grow, and I just want the one that's gonna be to the work. easiest, yeah. yeah, then you can find something, something that'll work for you. Okay, so you so just I'm order them. And how how soon do you have to start those in the year? Beans, I've only ever direct seeded, like. Right, the May long weekend. Right, it depends on the vegetable. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so beans are not not a problem. And actually, like I've never grown beans for specifically for dried beans, but I've saved beans for seed, and it's yeah, pretty much the same, the same thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just not in as large quantity. Right. Yeah. I guess I could have done that last year. I tried saving um, beans, and then. After I had dried them out, had kind of, well, some of them had gone moldy. And then also I realized that the kind that I had was not what I would make chili with. And so then I was like, well, Mm -hmm. this hasn't worked out for me. I'll just throw (laughs) the compost after all this time drying them. But, hmm, yeah. Yeah, they're, I, beans are always, because they're so prolific, like a good one to save. Yeah. Um. Peas, we always eat. Every year I grow more peas, and every year we just eat them all. And I never have any even frozen. Like, I always think, I'd like to grow enough yeah. that we can shell them and freeze them, and it's never. Everybody just loves them, and we eat them. That's nice. So, yeah, okay. I will never be able to save peas. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Someone uh, that I talked to, again on the podcast, Tony DeRosier from the Abigo um, beeswax wrap company. Uh, so she talked about how every year they will let one plant of every type, uh, go to seed and save those just so that 
her child can see the full cycle of plants. And so that's, I just love that. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That you just, it's just part of the garden and it's so much forethought and thinking to the future and uh, making sure that, okay, I have to have seeds for next year and a single Mm -hmm. plant will produce hundreds of seeds in most Mm -hmm. cases. We were talking about basil and how like a single basil plant, if you let that go to seed, it's just insane the number of seeds that you get from that. Like you could grow a forest. I've saved like squash. I've always saved those seeds. Yeah. Pumpkin or whatever. But I remember the first time I grew dill harvesting the seeds. Yeah. And I had like a mason jar of seeds. I don't know why I kept that many. Like I did not need a mason jar. Well, it's just kind of fascinating how many there are. But it was like easy, you know? Yeah. And uh, the volume. Yeah. Um, And I had always too, because I hadn't done this before we moved out here. I had, when I first started, I had thought I had the bias in my head that my seeds would be inferior to store-bought seeds. Like they wouldn't germinate as well. Interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I have found the opposite. Oh, that when I sow something that I saved in the fall, it's almost all the time. That's germinates, No problem. And yeah. And most of them germinate too, you know, compared to Sometimes you get a bunch of duds. Yeah, maybe yeah. like 60% or something, you know? Yeah. So I have been pleasantly surprised by that. That's nice. That's reassuring. And it's been nice too. Like with the kids, it's not something I had to teach them. I was just out collecting seeds and then they wanted to do it too. So they took some envelopes and I have some that like they labeled, you know, yeah. snapdragons or whatever. Yeah. And they filled with seed. How good would it feel to this year or next year or something have seeds that you've saved of every kind of plant that you want to plant and to just not have to buy seeds like yeah so I had envisioned that and then I saved a ton of seeds last year and this year rolled around and I thought oh I don't have to buy all those kinds I can just get new varieties yeah okay well there you go that's even more fun (laughs) so I wonder maybe some year I'll get to the stage where I think yeah I have all the things I want yeah (laughs) That's awesome. It's easy to just add to the list and say, I'm going to try other varieties. Yeah. We were talking about chickens earlier. Um, and and we've already kind of talked about the connection with your food and, and how you kind of put more value on things. But um, something that I would like to do at some point is come and kill a chicken. Can I come and kill a chicken at yes. your house? <laughs> Not to shock people if they're like, oh my gosh, you want to kill it. But like, seriously, how much more appreciation would I have for eating chicken breast or eating any sort of chicken in a meal if I had to look that chicken in the eyes (laughs) and kill it? Yeah. And I think about... And pigs. Like, that's that's an even bigger animal. Like, the the bigger they get, the more intimidating it feels to to do that to them. But obviously, I love meat, so I don't know what to do. I don't know that it's ever easy. No. But I don't think it should be. I would be... It would worry me if I didn't care. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's beautiful. We normally, when we do meat birds, we take them to a butcher just because, like, the time it would take to do 80 meat birds. We don't have a plucker, so you have to do oh, it by hand. Right, right. <laughs> it's, uh, like, overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but we had, last year, a fox kill a bunch of our chickens. Um, and leave them there? Did you no. just kill them? Oh, he took them. No, yeah. Sure. It was over several nights. It was, it could have been, like, uh, oh... Is it a Roald Dahl book, The Fantastic Mr. Fox? Oh. It's like a battle, us against the fox. Like, yeah. he would come and take a chicken one night, and then we would add some extra fortification. And then <laughs> it would be a couple more nights, and then the fox would learn how to get past that. And so we just had a handful left. We did them ourselves last year. Yeah. Yeah, I like that my kids know where chicken comes from. They know chicken is an animal. Yeah. And they know how it gets to their plate. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing. I like And that then I know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, like, yeah. I really, think I know. Like, I knew that. I get it. I get that pork and bacon is mm-hmm. a pig, but I... No, to live that is different. Yeah. And, and because we raise them to 
I think we appreciate the meat in a different way. Yeah. So we did not butcher them any further. We just have whole birds. Yeah. So I always roast the whole bird. Yeah. And then have... We have that meal, and then we can have sandwich meat. Like, it might be four nights of chicken. yeah. And then we always make a broth yeah. with whatever is left over, too, if there are little bits. Our dog is super happy to have any chicken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we appreciate it and we know what went into it, we always make sure to get the most that we can Yeah. out of every bird. Even when there's an abundance, like... You know, you save that whole mason jar full of seeds, even though she's got like, oh, I don't and have to. And I just to. ask everyone I knew. Yeah. See, then you there's really that sharing culture. Yeah. Then you can just swap with somebody who has an abundance of sunflower seeds or something. And So the problem is that I would say most of my friends have a garden now. And it always gets <laughs> to like every part of the year where we all are like, hey, anybody want zucchini? Yeah. I have so much zucchini. Yeah. And we're all, yeah, we all have a lot of zucchini. Well, I'll be sure not to plant zucchini. And uh, you be sure not to plant whatever. Whatever. We'll swap. Sounds good. (laughs) Any other tips for somebody who wants to slowly enter into hobby farming? And So this would probably be the opposite advice of some people. Maybe it has to suit your personality. Yeah. I would say focus on one thing at a time and do it well. Yeah. That's but good. not, don't be a perfectionist. If you have the ground worked, just plant something. Don't say, I don't know how to do it perfectly, so I'm not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Would rather make sure that the ground I have worked is fertile and everything I'm growing there is growing well and have twice as much space and not really be doing it well. Yeah, that's a good bit of advice. And it's less stressful too when you're yeah, just trying to learn one new thing at a time. That's a good point. I feel like each year I don't call my garden a garden. I call it an experiment because yeah. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And each year I'm mildly disappointed by at least one thing. But yeah. other things turn out really exciting. It's so. true. I have thought it would be stressful to do this for a living. But because it's just for us, I can yeah. say if you lose that crop, but then this other thing does well. Most That's okay. More of yeah. this than the other thing. Exactly. Yeah. We're okay with that. We just change what we're eating then. Yeah. And appreciate what's in abundance. Mm-hmm. This has made me excited for the spring. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Not just because I, mean, I, I was to already be like dying for the snow to be gone. Yeah, but. but the fact that you have like maps of your garden drawn <laughs> out in the seed catalog. Oh my gosh, I need to flip through I this know. too. Yeah. That's then, what I do. So. It, living seasonally the winter is the season for like planning your projects yes I like that everything kind of sleeps and and you just get to dream and plan and then it comes ah (laughs) springtime I'm just looking at all these vegetables look I've never been excited about cabbage let me tell you but this the seed catalog gets me excited about cabbage yeah (laughs) I know isn't it like oh it's so cool yeah oh it's awesome Thanks again for listening, everyone. It was a lot of fun to get inspiration from Valentina about the small changes we can make to become more self-sufficient and in turn more eco-friendly. Don't worry if you don't live in the country. There are ways to make a difference no matter where you live. A book I recommend is called Self-Sufficiency for the 21st Century by Dick and James Strawbridge. Don't forget to leave a rating or review for the podcast to help get our name out there. Every bit helps. And you can find all of our previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and more. And find me on Instagram at Ellswith Callahan. Have a great week, everyone, and talk to you soon.